0: Section fourteen of Lynn McLean by Owen Wister. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six Destiny at Drybone, part two. Lynn McLean, bachelor, sat out in front of his cabin, looking at a small bright pistol that lay in his hand. He held it tenderly, cherishing it, and did not cease slowly to polish it. Reverie filled his eyes, and in his whole face was sadness unmasked, because only the animals were there to perceive his true feelings. Sunlight and waving shadows moved together upon the green of his pasture. Cattle and horses loitered in the opens by the stream. Down Box Elder's course its valley and golden-chimneyed bluffs widened away into the level and the blue of the greater valley. Upstream, the branches and shining quiet leaves entered the mountains, where the rock chimneys narrowed to a gateway, a citadel of shafts and turrets, crimson and gold above the filmy emerald of the trees. Through there the road went up from the cottonwoods into the cool quaking asps and pines, and so across the range and away to Seapar. Along the ridgepole of the new stable, two hundred yards downstream, sat McLean's turkeys and cocks and hens walked in front of him here by his cabin and fenced garden. Slow smoke rose from the cabin's chimney into the air in which were no sounds but the running water and the afternoon chirp of birds. Amid this framework of a home, the cowpuncher sat, lonely, inattentive, polishing the treasured weapon as if it were not already long clean. His target stood some twenty steps in front of him, a small cottonwood tree, its trunk chipped and honeycombed with bullets which he had fired into it each day for memory's sake. Presently he lifted the pistol and looked at its name, the word neighbor engraved upon it. I wonder, said he aloud, if she keeps the rust off mine. Then he lifted it slowly to his lips and kissed the word neighbor. The clank of wheels sounded on the road, and he put the pistol quickly down. Dreaminess vanished from his face. He looked around alertly, but no one had seen him. The clanking was still among the trees a little distance up Box Elder. It approached deliberately, while he watched for the vehicle to emerge upon the open where his cabin stood, and then they came, a man and a woman. At sight of her, Mr. McLean half rose, but sat down again. Neither of them had noticed him, sitting as they were in silence and the drowsiness of a long drive. The man was weak-faced, with good looks sallowed by dissipation, and a vanquished glance of the eye. As the woman had stood on the platform at Sipar, so she sat now, upright, bold, and massive. The brag of past beauty was a habit settled upon her stolid features. Both sat inattentive to each other and to everything around them. The wheels turned slowly, and with a dry, dead noise, the reins bellied loosely to the shafts, the horse's head hung low. So they drew close. Then the man saw McLean, and color came into his face and went away. "'Good evening,' said he, clearing his throat. "'We heard you was in cow camp. The cowpuncher noted how he tried to smile, and a freakish change crossed his own countenance. He nodded slightly, and stretched his legs out as he sat. "'You look natural,' said the woman familiarly. "'Seemed to be fixed nice here,' continued the man. "'Hadn't heard of it.' "'Well, we'll be going along. Glad to have seen you.' "'Your wheel wants greasing,' said McLean briefly, his eye upon the man." Can't stop. I expect she'll last to dry bone. Good evening. Stay to supper, said McLean, always seated on his chair. Can't stop, thank you. I expect we can last to dry bone. He twitched the reins. McLean leveled a pistol at a chicken and knocked off its head. Better stay to supper, he suggested very distinctly. It's business, I tell you. I've got to catch Governor Barker before he— the pistol cracked and a second chicken shuffled in the dust. Better stay to supper, drawled McLean. The man looked up at his wife. So yez need me, she broke out. Ain't got hard enough in your played out body to stand up to a man. We'll eat here. Get down. The husband stepped to the ground. I didn't supposed you'd want po want. WHAT'S LYNN, OR YOU, OR ANYTHING, TO ME? HELP ME OUT.' Both men came forward. She descended, leaning heavily upon each, her blue staring eyes fixed upon the cow-puncher. "'No, yous ain't changed,' she said. Same in your looks and same in your actions. Was you expectin' you could scare me, you, Lynn McLean?' "'I just wanted chickens for supper,' said he. Mrs. Lusk gave a hard, high laugh. "'I'll 'em." It's not I that cares. "'As for—' she stopped. "'Her eye had fallen upon the pistol and the name neighbor. "'As for you,' she continued to Mr. Lusk, "'don't you be standing dumb, same as the horse.' "'Better take him to the stable, Lusk,' said McLean. "'He picked the chickens up, "'showed the woman to the best chair in his room, and went into his kitchen to cook supper for three. He gave his guests no further attention, nor did either of them come in where he was, nor did the husband rejoin the wife. He walked slowly up and down in the air, and she sat by herself in the room. Lynn's steps as he made ready round the stove and table, and Lust's slow tread out in the setting sunlight, were the only sounds about the cabin. When the host looked into the door of the next room to announce that his meal was served, the woman sat in her chair no longer, but stood with her back to him by a shelf. She gave a slight start at his summons and replaced something. He saw that she had been examining neighbor, and his face hardened suddenly to fierceness as he looked at her. But he repeated quietly that she had better come in thus did the three sit down to their meal occasionally a word about handing some dish fell from one or other of them but nothing more until lusk took out his watch and mentioned the hour you've not ate specially hardy said lin resting his arms upon the table i'm going asserted lusk governor barker may start out i've got my interest to look after why sure said lin I can't hope you'll waste all your time on just me. Lusk rose and looked at his wife. It'll be ten now before we get to Drybone, said he, and he went down to the stable. The woman sat still, pressing the crumbs of her bread. I know you seen me, she said, without looking at him. Saw you when? I knowed it, and I seen how you looked at me. She sat twisting and pressing the crumb. Sometimes it was round, sometimes it was a cube. Now and then she flattened it to a disc. Mr. McLean seemed to have nothing that he wished to reply. "'If you claim that pistol is yourn,' she said next, "'I'll tell you I know better. "'If you ask me whose should it be, if not yourn, "'I would not have to guess the name. "'She has talked to me, and me, to her.'" She was still looking away from him at the bread-crumb, or she could have seen that McLean's hand was trembling, as he watched her leaning on his arms. "'Oh, yes, she was willing to talk to me,' the woman uttered another sudden laugh. "'I knowed about her, all. Things get heard of in this world. Did not all about you and me come to her knowledge in its own good time, and it done and gone how many years?' my 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 her voice grew slow and absent she stopped for a moment and then more rapidly resumed it had travelled around about you and her like it always will travel it was known how you had asked her and how she had told you she would have you and then told you she would not when she learned about you and me folks that knowed yas and folks that never seen yez in their lives had to have their word about her facing you down, you had another wife, though she knowed the truth about me being married to Lusk and him livin' the day you married me, and ten and twenty marriages could not have tied you and me up, no matter how honest you swore to no hindrance. Folks said it was plain she did not want yous. It give me a queer feeling to see that girl. It give me a wish to tell her to her face that she did not love yous and did not know love. Wait, wait, Lynn. You never hit me yet. No, said the cow-puncher, nor now. I'm not, Lusk. You look so, so bad, Lynn. I never seen you look so bad in old days. Wait now, and I must tell it. I wished to laugh in her face and say, What do you know about love? So I walked in. Lynn, she does love you. Yes, breathed McLean. She was sitting back in her room at Separ, Not the ticket office, but— I know, the cowpuncher said. His eyes were burning. It's snug, the way she has it. Good afternoon, I says. Is this Miss Jessamine Buckner? At his sweetheart's name, the glow in Lynn's eyes seemed to quiver to a flash. And she spoke pleasant to me, pleasant and gay-like. But a woman can tell sorrow in a woman's eyes— and she asked me would i rest in her room there and what was my name they tell me you claim to know it better than i do i says they tell me you say it is mrs mclean she put her hand on her breast and she keeps looking at me without never speaking maybe i am not so welcome now i says one minute says she let me get used to it and she sat down Lynn, she is a square-looking girl I'll say that for her, I never thought to sit down once to myself. I don't know why, but I kep a standin and I took in that room o hers. She had flowers and things around there, and I seen your picture standing on the table, and I seen your six-shooter right by it and Oh, Lynn, hadn't I knowed your face before ever she did, and that gun you used to let me shoot on Bear Creek? It took me that sudden why, it rushed over me so, I spoke right out different from what I'd meant, and what I had ready fixed up to say. Why did you do it, I says to her, while she was a-sittin'? How could you act so, and you a woman? She just sat, and her sad eyes made me madder at the idea of her. You have had real sorrow, says I, if they report correctly. You have knowed your share of death and misery and hard work and all. Great God, ain't there things enough that come to yous uncalled for and natural, but you must run around huntin' up more that was leaving yous alone and givin' yous a chance? I knowed him once, I knowed your Lin McLean, and when that was over, I knowed for the first time how men can be different. I'm started, Lynn. I'm started. Leave me go on and when I'm through, I'll quit. Some of 'em, anyway, I says to her, has hearts and self-respect and ain't hogs clean through. I know, she says, thoughtful like, and at her whispering that way, I gets madder. You know, I says then, what is it that you know? Do you know that you have hurt a good man's heart? For once I heard it myself, though different, and hurts in them kind of hearts stays. Some hearts is that luscious and pasty you can stab em, and it closes up so you'd never suspicion the place. But Lynn McLean? Nor yet don't yous believe his is the kind that breaks, if any kind does that. You may sit till the gray hairs, and you may wallop your womanhood, but if a man has got manhood like him, he will never sit till the gray hairs grief over losing the best will not stop him from searching for a second best after a while he wants a home and he has got a right to one says i to miss jessamine you have not walled up lynn mclean i says to her wait lynn wait you's needn't to tell me that's a lie i know a man thinks he's walled up for a while she could have told you it was a lie said the cowpuncher. she did not let him get a home says she i want him to be happy that flash in your eyes talks different says i sure enough is wants him to be happy sure enough but not happy along with miss second best Lynn. she looked at me that pearson and i goes on for i was wound away up and he will be happy too i says miss second best will have a talk with him about your picture and little neighbor which he'll not send back to because the hurt in his heart is there. And he will keep em out of sight somewheres after his talk with Miss Second Best. Lynn, Lynn, I laughed at them words of mine, but I was that wound up. I was strange to myself. And she watching me that way. And I says to her, Miss Second Best will not be the crazy thing to think I am any wife of his standing in her way. He will tell her about me. He will tell how once he thought he was solid married to me till Lusk came back, and she will drop me out of sight, along with the rest that went nameless. They was not uncomprehensible to you, was they? You have learned something by living, I guess. And Lynn, your Lynn, not mine, nor never mine in heart for a day so deep as he's yourn right now, he has been gay, gay as any I've known. Why, look at that face of his.' Could a boy with a face like that help being gay? But that don't touch what's the true Lynn deep down. Nor will his deep-down love for you hinder him like it will hinder you. Don't you know men and us is different when it comes to passion? We're all one thing then, but they ain't simple. They keep along with lots of other things. I can't make his know, and I guess it takes a woman like I have been to learn their nature. But you did know he loved you, and you sent him away, and you'll be homeless in your house when he has done the right thing by himself and found another girl. Lynn, all the while I was talkin', all I knowed to her, without knowin' what I'd be sayin' next, for it come that unexpected, she was lookin' at me with them steady eyes, and all she says when I quit was, If I saw him, I would tell him to find a home. "'Didn't she tell you she'd made me promise to keep away from seeing her?' asked the cow-puncher. Mrs. Lusk laughed. "'Oh, you innocent!' said she. "'She said if I came she would leave Sipar,' muttered McLean, brooding. Again the large woman laughed out, but more harshly. "'I have kept my promise,' Lynn continued. "'Keep it some more. Sit here rotting in your chair till she goes away.' maybe she's gone what's that said lynn but still she only laughed harshly i could be there by tomorrow night he murmured then his face softened she would never do such a thing he said to himself he had forgotten the woman at the table while she had told him matters that concerned him he had listened eagerly now she was of no more interest than she had been before her story was begun she looked at his eyes as he sat thinking and dwelling upon his sweetheart. She looked at him, and a longing welled up into her face. A certain youth and heavy beauty relighted the features. "'You are the same, same, Lin, every way,' she said. "'A woman is too many for you still, Lynn,' she whispered. At her summons he looked up from his reverie. "'Lynn, I would not have treated you so. The caress that filled her voice was plain. His look met hers as he sat quite still, his arms on the table. Then he took his turn at laughing. "'You,' he said, "'at least I've had plenty of education in you.' Len, Len, don't talk that brutal to me to-day. If yous knowed how near I come shootin' myself with neighbor, that would have been funny. I knowed yous wanted to tear that pistol out of my hand because it was hern. But yous never did such things to me, for there's a gentleman in you somewheres, Len, and yous didn't never hit me, not even when you come to know me well. And when I seen you so unexpected again tonight, and you just the same old Len, scaring Lusk with shooting them chickens, so comic and splendid, I could have just killed Lusk sitting in the wagon. Say, Len, what made just do that, anyway?' "'I can't hardly say,' said the cow-puncher, only noticing him so turrible anxious to quit me. Well, a man acts without thinking. You always did, Lin. You was always a comical genius. Lin. them were good times.' "'Which times?' "'You know. You can't tell me you have forgot.' "'I have not forgot much. What's the sense in this?' "'You never loved me!' she exclaimed. "'Shucks!' "'Lynn, Lynn, is it all over? You know you's loved me on Bear Creek. Say you did. Only say it was once that way.' And as he sat she came and put her arms around his neck. For a moment he did not move, letting himself be held, and then she kissed him. The plates crashed as he beat and struck her down upon the table. He was on his feet, cursing himself. As he went out of the door, she lay where she had fallen beneath his fist, looking after him and smiling. McLean walked down Box Elder Creek through the trees toward the stable, where Lusk had gone to put the horse in the wagon. Once he leaned his hand against a big cottonwood and stood still with half-closed eyes. Then he continued on his way. "'Lusk!' he called presently, and in a few steps more. "'Lusk!' then as he came slowly out of the trees to meet the husband he began with quiet evenness your wife wants to know but he stopped no husband was there wagon and horse were not there the door was shut the bewildered cowpuncher looked up the stream where the road went and he looked down out of the sky where daylight and stars were faintly shining together sounded the long cries of the night-hawks as they sped and swooped to their hunting in the dusk. From among the trees by the stream floated a cooler air, and distant and close by sounded the splashing water. About the meadow where Lynn stood his horses fed, quietly crunching. He went to the door, looked in, and shut it again. He walked to his shed, and stood contemplating his own wagon alone there. Then he lifted away a piece of trailing vine from the gate of the corral, while the turkeys moved their heads and watched him from the roof. A rope was hanging from the corral, and seeing it, he dropped the vine. He opened the corral gate and walked quickly back into the middle of the field, where the horses saw him and his rope, and scattered but he ran and herded them, whirling the rope, and so drove them into the corral, and flung his noose over, two. He dragged two saddles, men's saddles, from the stable, and next he was again at his cabin door with the horses saddled. She was sitting quite still by the table where she had sat during the meal, nor did she speak or move when she saw him look in at the door. "'Lusk has gone,' said he. I don't know what he expected you would do or I would do, but we will catch him before he gets to Drybone." She looked at him with her dumb stare. "'Gone?' she said. "'Get up and ride,' said McLean. "'You are going to Drybone.' "'Drybone?' she echoed. Her voice was toneless and dull. He made no more explanations to her, but went quickly about the cabin. Soon he had set it in order, the dishes on their shelves, the table clean, the fire in the stove arranged, and all these movements she followed with a sort of blank mechanical patience. He made a small bundle for his own journey, tied it behind his saddle, brought her horse beside a stump. When at his sharp order she came out, he locked his cabin and hung the key by a window where travelers could find it and be at home. She stood looking where her husband had slunk off, and then she laughed. "'It's about his size,' she murmured. Her old lover helped her in silence to mount into the man's saddle. This they had often done together in former years, and so they took their way down the silent road. They had not many miles to go, and after the first two lay behind them, when the horses were limbered and had been put to a canter, they made time quickly. They had soon passed out of the trees and pasture of Box Elder, and came among the vast low stretches of the greater valley. Not even by day was the river's course often discernible through the ridges and cheating sameness of this wilderness, and beneath this half-darkness of stars and a quarter moon the sage spread shapeless to the looming mountains, or to nothing. I will ask you one thing said lynn after ten miles the woman made no sign of attention as she rode beside him did i understand that she miss buckner i mean mentioned she might be going away from separ how do i know what you understand i thought you said don't you bother me lynn mclean her laugh rang out loud and forlorn one brief burst that startled the horse and that must have sounded far across the sagebrush. Hugh men are rich,' she said." They rode on, side by side, and saying nothing after that. The Drybone Road was a broad trail, a worn strip of bareness going onward over the endless shelvings of the plain, visible even in this light, and presently, moving upon its grayness on a hill in front of them, they made out the wagon they hastened and overtook it put your carbine down said mclean to lusk it's not robbers it's your wife i'm bringing you he spoke very quietly the husband addressed no word to the cow-puncher get in then he said to his wife town's not far now said Lin. maybe you would prefer riding the balance of the way i'd but the note of pity that she felt in mclean's question overcame her and her utterance choked. She nodded her head, and the three continued slowly climbing the hill together. From the narrows of the steep, sandy, weather-beaten banks that the road slanted upward through for a while, they came out again upon the immensity of the tableland. Here, abruptly, like an ambush, was the whole unsuspected river, close below to their right, as if it had emerged from the earth. With a circling sweep from somewhere out in the gloom, it cut in close to the lofty mesa beneath tall, clean-graded descents of sand, smooth as a railroad embankment. As they paused on the level to breathe their horses, the wet gulp of its eddies rose to them through the stillness. Upstream they could make out the light of the dry bridge, but not the bridge itself, and two lights on the farther bank showed where stood the hog ranch opposite Drybone. They went on over the tableland and reached the next herald of the town, Drybone's chief historian, the graveyard. Beneath its slanting headboards and wind-shifted sand lay many more people than lived in Drybone. They passed by the fence of this shelterless acre on the hill, and shoutings and high music began to reach them. At the foot of the hill they saw the sparse lights and shapes of the town, where ended the gray strip of road. The many sounds, feet, voices, and music, grew clearer, unraveling from their muffled confusion, and the fiddling became a tune that could be known. "'There's a dance to-night,' said the wife to the husband. "'Hurry!' He drove as he had been driving. Perhaps he had not heard her i'm telling you to hurry she repeated my new dress is in that wagon there'll be folks to welcome me here that's older friends than you she put her horse to a gallop down the broad road toward the music and the older friends the husband spoke to his horse cleared his throat and spoke louder cleared his throat again and this time his sullen voice carried and the animal started so lusk went ahead of lynn mclean following his wife with the new dress at as good a pace as he might. If he did not want her company, perhaps to be alone with a cow-puncher was still less to his mind. It ain't only her he stopped caring for, mused Lynn as he rode slowly along. He don't care for himself any more. End of chapter 6 Part 2